Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to another episode of Fed Heads. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. I continue to love the idea that we're doing this in person. Yeah. The entire last month's episodes, it was a pleasure to listen back to them because it was weird not being in the same room as you for 18 months. So we're, uh, we continue on that theme again. And another thing theme that we've continued on is agile government and how government can respond, not just during things like the pandemic, but all the time more rapidly to the constituents that they serve. I think we've seen the pluses and minus of agility. The government certainly stepped up and did a lot of things miraculously, but there were shortcomings in having to do things so quickly and for so many people. Ed DeSev is our guest this week, a return guest on FedHeads and a distinguished career in public service. Ed, welcome. It's good to have you back on the program. What's your takeaway from what you've seen, not just in the federal government, but you can focus there if you like, uh, throughout the pandemic regarding the way that the government as an enterprise or individual pieces of the government responded. Welcome. Thank you, Francis. I'm delighted to be here with both of you. I think the interesting thing is, and Robert hit it right on the nose, different places, different results. Um, Elaine Kamwark just put out a poll that contrasted all the governors uh, across the nation and their approval ratings. And the drop in approval ratings was marked. I'll refer you to Elaine's work, but uh, you know, 30, 40% drops in approval ratings, places like Idaho. I think the relationship between the competence with which people rolled out the vaccine and the trust they have in their elected officials is really showing. Ed, Francis should have included this in the intro. You're credited with overseeing one of the most successful efforts of the federal government to respond to a crisis. In 2008, we invested roughly a trillion dollars in getting the economy to recover. And those dollars seem to have been administered much better than in the past. There was less waste, fraud, and abuse than people remembered. And the money got to intended recipients and produced the intended outcomes, which was jobs. Maybe that was more discreet, but how do you distinguish that effort from what you're seeing today? Well, the interesting thing, Robert, is actually we used agile government principles. We just didn't call them that. John Koskin and I had kind of pioneered them in Y2K um, when he was the czar and I was the deputy director for management. We used them again. We focused on exactly what our mission was. We knew it. We had it right on the wall. We moved as quickly as we possibly could. We had cross-functional teams. We had networks. We had innovation, all of the things that are the hallmarks of agility. I'm not sure yet that the states and this administration have a system, a systematic way of getting the money out, looking at the metrics, relying on evidence, all of which are, are, are key to managing this well. That may change. We've got uh, two big pieces of legislation to come. One is the uh, Build Back Better legislation and the other is the Infrastructure Investment Act. Um, I think they're looking at how to better manage those, but it, it isn't there yet. Is it a little frustrating, Ed, that you seem to have had a system in 2008 that worked fairly well? We're here again in 2020, and it wasn't 
seemingly institutionalized where you could just pull the playbook out and say, this is how we do this and do it over again. It is a little frustrating, but things happen fast and they were throwing at their head. I mean, it was like, you know, you go into the batter's box and the pitcher's thrown at you. Uh, that's what, that's what COVID did. So I, I think we had a better runway. We didn't have as quite as much, um, of, we didn't have people dying along the way. So we had a little bit of time to move things along. The vice president was extremely helpful. Now the president was extremely helpful. He gave his top cover from the, from day one, but we didn't have to rely as heavily on the States, which I think is one of the things that this administration and certainly the last administration hasn't quite gotten yet. We need more federalism. Uh, the National Academy of Public Administration just established a center for intergovernmental partnership. It's really, really, really important that that roll quickly. So, Ed, the National Academy of Public Administration also, under your leadership, has established the Agile Government Network, um, ostensibly designed to establish these principles across the government and governments. Can you talk about how that's going? We're starting to see some real traction. Uh, AGA, an old friend of yours, Robert, put a report out yesterday that talks about, uh, and rather than its cover, there's a description of agility um, and the agility that the, pan- that the pandemic has caused the PRAC, the Pandemic Response Accountability Committee, to use. They are now using agility as the basis for their audits. Chief Financial Officers Council just used the agile government principles as a means of discussing their own strategic plan for the next 10 years. So we're getting a good deal of traction and we'll be having a series of forums about the relationship between trust in government, competence in government and agility. And those forums are designed to examine that relationship and see how trust can be improved as a result of better agility. Uh, those are the kinds of things that are going on. Uh, we have an educational program that's also ramping up, and we're moving into the era, area of agile regulation. So there's a lot going on out there. Robert is such a goof for AGA that his mask – hold it up there again. I don't think Ed saw it. On Look at – I mean no, – I saw, I saw it. I, I, you didn't see me nod and bow my head. Oh, ah. no. No, I, you know, I, I thought maybe you saw it and just ignored it because it was just too over the top. It was, it was too distracting. Now, agile government is on the front cover of the report. What do you want people to take away from that? How do you want people to apply that and, and do something with it in real life, Ed? Well, I think every program can, as a checklist, as a mental checklist, look at the 10 principles and say, are we doing this? Are we doing this? Are we doing that? Um, Steve Denning, who is one of the real gurus of agile, calls it a mindset. It's an agile mindset. It's like fluoride in the water. It's something that's going to make your teeth better. Um, and so we're going to be, we're looking to have people uh, get better trained. We're about to develop a training program in Agile. We've got some partners out there who we're working with to develop a significant training program. We prototyped it with the Federal Executive Institute in August. We learned some things there and now we're uh, designing that program. So we think that this is just going to continue in a stair function. It's not the flavor of the month. It's a checklist something you can use to make your agency better. What institutionalizes these principles so that people don't have to think about pulling them out of a toolbox the next time there is something that this is just kind of the de facto way to do business moving forward? You know, when we started strategic planning back in 1993, I was the uh, 
the acting deputy director for management. And I had to read every strategic plan over the Christmas, New Year's holiday. Luckily, I'd gotten a couple of bottles of scotch. <laughs> uh, and I had them all around my office. They were terrible. People were engaged in malicious compliance. They really were. They, they complied, but boy, did they hate it. Now we have a, a set of strategic plans in place, which are very good. They're also cross-agency goals, CAP goals, which Robert himself knows a lot about. He was one of the fathers of CAP goals. Um, and the, plan, the process of strategic planning is not going away. It's only getting better. We hope that Agile will have that same kind of legs, those same kind of legs along the way. One of the things that I, I fear the most is how agencies um, are going to be faced with just immense responsibilities in the next several months. Agencies are going to go from $60 billion annual, annually in the case of transportation and HUD to hundreds of billions of dollars almost overnight. Um, you've talked about principles, playbooks. What couple of pieces of advice would you give chief operating officers at agencies that are going to be faced with these this incredible growth in money and responsibilities overnight? Plastics. <laughs> the answer is twofold, Robert. One, it's teams, and two, it's networks. What they have to do is create networks with local governments, tribal governments, state governments, territorial governments, as well as with um, the transit agencies that are out there, as well as with the housing authorities. And on a continuing basis, set metrics for how the money is being spent, where it's being spent. We want to look at connecting people and places that have been left behind to the money. Jim Clyburn of uh, South Carolina talks about 10-20-30. 10 is that 10% of the money should go to areas that have had more than 20% poverty over a 30-year period. What a brilliant idea. Simple. But let's get the agencies to work with those areas. He said there are 446 counties. Matt Chase at the National Association of Counties would be delighted to be part of a major network effort that brought that money to those people and places who've been left behind. That's what needs to happen. What do you see as the biggest obstacle for organizations to implement these things that you and your colleagues are suggesting it? I could be flipped and say Congress, but I won't do that. <laughs> You're too big for that. I, I, I don't know about that. Um, I think the obstacles are the magnitude that Robert talked about, the magnitude of the challenges that they face and the fact that they're happening so fast. Um, but I think they're very capable. The people are in, who are in this government are very capable people. I don't want to call out, call some people out because I'll leave some out. But starting with the president himself, these are people who can get things done. The problem that they've all had is there's too many things to do. It's coming at them in an onslaught whether it's the pandemic or Build Back Better or uh, the Infrastructure Bill or the CARES Act or the American Rescue Plan. That's a ton of money, Robert. That's three or four times what we had. Um, and it's in different categories. Uh, and it's contentious. And new programs so, in many cases. And, that's right. We used mainly, in, in Recovery Act, we used mainly existing programs, paved highways or paved cow paths at least, that allowed us to send the money down with regulations already developed. So you see in this housing assistance program, the rental assistance program, some tremendous problems. One of the problems is that landlords won't take the money. What? They won't take back rent? No. Many of them are 
concerned that they're not paying their taxes, perhaps. I don't know what they're concerned about, but they're not, that's an obstacle. We didn't have obstacles like that. So the, the sheer scope and the newness, as Robert says, of the programs is really a detriment. Anything else that people should be paying attention to in this area, Ed, as this effort moves forward, whether it's with this particular response or something that should happen now to prepare them for the next thing? Because if we've learned anything over the last 18 months, two years, there'll be something else will come down the pike, right? Yeah, there's one of the major foundations in America had a founder and he said, tell the truth and trust the people. And that's where I am now. Tell the truth tell people what's going on, where it's happening, how it's happening. They ought to get back in the geospatial mapping game, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, Earl Devaney did a fabulous job for the Recovery Act in creating that, those maps. They should get back, back in the mapping game, show people where the money is going, show people what's happening with the money, and do it as quickly as they can. Speed is, is, speed is their friend. Ed, the only thing about this entire conversation that bugs me a little bit is you were one of the key players in 2008. Robert's the cap goal leader, and I'm just sitting here watching both of you talk. So one of these things is not like the other, I guess. It's great to talk to you again, though. Thanks for doing it. They also serve who stand and wait. Okay. I'm really good at that. So uh, thanks for very much for coming on in. Great to talk to you. Glad to be here. Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store. 